Well, let's pray and go ahead and uh, get into our message today. Father God, we come before you. We thank you for the opportunity we have to come together to hear from you. I'm asking, we're asking for your anointing. We're asking for grace and truth to be deposited and imparted. We're asking for eyes that see and ears that hear, hearts that are open and receptive. And we're asking you to reveal to us, Holy Spirit, reveal to us things that we have never seen before and things that we have seen before. We ask that you make it more clear and more real to us than it ever has been. And we purpose not to just be those that hear the word, but those that do the word in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Well, go with me to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. We, uh, we're, I believe today we're going to conclude our series that we've been on, that we've been calling Forsaken Identity. Uh, I believe it's, this is going to be the last message in that series. Not that there isn't more to talk about as far as who we are in Christ, but uh, we could talk about this all year, and there will still be more to cover. And even the subjects that we did cover, even the things and topics that we did uh, discuss and talk about, you can elaborate on those even further. There's more scriptures and things to read. But there's other things that I believe that the Lord wants to speak to us about. And uh, it's going to be good, whatever that will be. But I, I, I sense in my heart that it's time to unhook from this and to go to something else. But this will be the last one. And uh, it's been good. Finding out who you are in Christ is vitally important. It's, it's necessary. I, I, I didn't mention this during the offering, but the reason why the enemy doesn't want people to know who they are in Christ is because he doesn't want to be defeated. <laughs> he wants to have authority over them. He wants to rule in their lives. And once we find out who we are and everyone finds out who they are in Christ, look out. The devil is going to be on the run. And that is what he is concerned about. <laughs> That's what he is afraid of. And, uh, but we're finding out it's too late for us, though. It's too late. We already know who we are in Christ. And we've been talking about that uh, it's important that we find this out because you need to know how to fight, how to approach God, how to live this life of faith. And you can only do that by faith in Christ. You can't do that in your former identity, the identity that we have forsaken, that we have left the old man. You need to know who you are in Christ now because how you approach God is by who you are in Christ. And even though we are concluding this, serve, um, this series, I would encourage you to Find all the scriptures that talk about who you are in Christ and what you have in Christ, uh, what you can do through Christ. Find those scriptures and meditate on them and meditate on them and, and pray Ephesians prayers. You know, we pray that regularly, my wife and I. We pray that, that the, the God of our Father, the God of glory, he would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of the inheritance in us, the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked 
in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion, has given him a name that's above every name. And so we pray those prayers because we, we're believing God. Lord, reveal to us these things so we see clearer who we are. We know what we can do. That's important, amen? So meditate on those verses and, and, and go back and listen to the uh, previous messages and feed on it a little bit more. But Galatians 2.20 says this, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Aren't you glad the Lord gave himself for you? Lord, God, where would we be if the Lord didn't give himself for us? We wouldn't be able to say I'm crucified with Christ, that's for sure, if the Lord didn't give himself. We wouldn't be able to say I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, look, all things are new. If the Lord didn't give himself for us, we couldn't say that. Where would we be? Well, we don't, we don't want to think about that too much. We know where we'd be. We'd be lost. We'd be confused. We'd be stupid, lost out of our mind. Amen. But he is, he did give his life for us. And thank God we have his life in us. Our life is hid in Christ. Our life is Christ, the Bible says. And we talked a lot about this. This is, I think this is the 10th message in the series. So we covered a lot of ground already. But what I want to talk about today, what I had in my heart, I was actually praying, uh, seeking the Lord. What should, you know, what are we what are we on today what, or, or this coming Sunday? And, um, man, I was studying different things, and I was like, ah, that's not it. You know, you spend some time, and you're studying something, and it's like, ah, that's not it. I, I didn't feel that excitement, that, that witness from the Holy Spirit. And you spend sometimes hours like, okay, it's going to be that. Then I'm like, oh, that's not it. This is not it. I went and prayed, uh, kneeled down and prayed, and and I uh, got up and started looking and looking, and then this came to me about what we're worth. And we're going to get into this today. And this, there was a witness behind this. And so I was, sometimes, uh, you know, I don't know if you've, how, how often you have ministered, if you've done any of these things, but uh, sometimes when you don't have the message, it's a little nervous. And you're like, oh, Lord, give me the message, please. But if he doesn't, I know there's times where, He'll give it to me. I, I mean, there, I remember I was uh, ministering uh, in another state one time, and the Lord changed my message that morning. I was like, oh, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus, for changing my message. <laughs> I, was, uh, I had spoken um, three or four days in a row and at different ministries, and I was going to preach the same thing at this church that I just spoke at at a different church two nights before. And the Lord changed it up and uh, made it more applicable to them. So, but, you know, you have to be in faith to do that, you know. Because if I, if I just went with what I had, it would have just been dry and boring. And it's like, oh, man, you know, let's go to lunch. But the Lord helps us. And uh, so I want to answer this question today. How much does the Lord value us? How much are we worth to him? How much are we worth them? Go to 1 Peter chapter 1. Now, what we get in today is, this is something you have to believe for yourself. 
I can tell you how much I believe your worth and value is to the Lord, but you have to receive this and believe this for yourself. You have to find out and get a revelation of this yourself. Amen? First Peter um, chapter 1. Did I already say that? First Peter chapter 1? I'm reading from the New King James Version. And it says uh, in verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. What does... uh, We've all heard this scripture many times, but what does this word redeemed mean? Redeemed means it has to do with payment, right? It has to do with the exchange of one thing for another. So when it says we were not redeemed with corruptible things, we can say we were not bought with corruptible things like silver and gold. And these are what people refer to as precious metals. Silver and gold, precious metals. You guys have heard that phrase before, right? Precious metals. Not, not precious like when we look at a little newborn baby and say, oh, isn't she precious? Isn't he precious? No, this is a different precious. This precious, if you look this up, has to do with costly, has to do with expensive, has to do with high value, high economic value. This is a precious um, gold and silver. And it says here that there is something more precious than silver and gold. And that is the precious and costly, expensive, valuable blood of the Lamb. Do you believe that there's anything else more valuable than the blood of Jesus? No, there's, there's nothing else more valuable than the blood of Jesus. And he contrasted that with corruptible things like silver and gold. And people are willing to pay a high price for some silver, especially for some gold. The more carrots it is, people will spend more money. But we were not redeemed with those things that be, can be corrupted. That was not costly enough. That was not valuable enough. That was not expensive enough. There was something else that was more valuable to redeem us, and that was the precious blood of the Lamb. That was the price that he paid for you and I. His own blood was the price that he purchased us with. How valuable must we be that it costs the very blood of Jesus, that the price for us was the blood of Jesus That there's nothing more valuable in all the earth. There is nothing more costly, no, nothing more expensive in all the earth, in all the universe than the blood of Jesus. And with this blood, he purchased us. He bought us. I don't know how this meeting went in heaven when the Father said to the Son, you know, the only thing that is expensive enough, valuable enough to redeem our own creation is the precious blood. I don't, I don't know. When he said that to him, Jesus must have immediately said, Father, I'm willing to pay that price. 
no matter how expensive it is, no matter how costly it is, I'm willing to pay that price. He was willing to pay the highest price there is for his creation. How valuable are we to him? What is our worth to him that he is willing to pay that high of a price? First of all, why did he have to purchase us? Why did he have to buy us back? Why did he have to pay a price for us? Because we sold our own souls to the devil. We sold our own souls to sin. We did this to ourselves. We rejected the Lord. From Adam and Eve till now, man has sold their souls. We did this to ourselves, and yet the Father and the Lord Jesus were still willing in our lost condition, in our rebellious condition, in our condition that said we want nothing to do with you, in our condition that was blaspheming God, that was mocking God, that was using the Lord's name in vain, he said, I'm willing to pay the highest price there is for you. I'm willing to pay the ultimate price there is for you. How much are we worth to the Lord? How valuable are we? Are you guys with me? believe with me. This word value, this word precious in uh, 1 Peter 1.19, the precious blood, is the same word precious that is used to describe in James 5.7. James 5.7, you don't have to turn there, I'll read it real quick. It says, therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. Why hasn't the Lord returned yet? Why hasn't the Lord come back yet for us? Because he is waiting for the harvest of precious fruit. He is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. The precious fruit are those people who have rejected Jesus. The precious fruit are those who have not yet been born again who are not yet in the family of God, who have not yet accepted Jesus as their Lord and Master, the Bible says they are precious fruit. And he has not returned yet. He has delayed his return and patiently doing it because he is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. We were those precious fruit. Thank the Lord that he came or that he hasn't come before we got born again. Thank you, Lord. Think about that. He caused them precious fruit. That's why the Bible talks about the harvest is great. This harvest of precious fruit is great, but the laborers are few. There needs to be more laborers. There needs to be more people going out into the harvest, gathering this precious fruit that the Lord is waiting for. The Lord looks at those in their lost and dying condition and say, they are precious fruit. They are precious to me. They are valuable to me. They are expensive to me. They are costly to me. They are worth something. They are worth waiting for. So that means this then, that the cost of the precious fruit is the precious blood. The worth of the precious fruit is the precious blood. Do you see that? The value of the precious fruit is the precious blood. So that means that you are worth 
the blood of Jesus. That you are worth the blood of the Lamb. I don't know if you guys heard me or not. Your value is that of equal to the blood of Jesus. Your value is, and worth is equal to the blood of Jesus. What did he say? For you were not, uh, knowing you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. There was something else more valuable than silver and gold, and that was the precious blood of Jesus. He, he, he looked, he, I don't know how it happened. Maybe he looked at all these different things and he said, no, not valuable enough. No, that's not going to work. No, the only thing that's going to work is the blood of Jesus. That is the only thing valuable enough. That is the only thing that matches our creation's worth is the blood of the lamb, the spotless blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Somebody say, thank you, Lord, for the blood. The Lord was willing to pay the ultimate price for the blood, for, for his creation, and that was with his blood. See, the price of something, the value of something, I should say, is determined by what a buyer is willing to pay for it. Our value is determined by what the buyer, one, the one who purchased us, is willing to pay for it. Do you see that? Yeah. Hey, we, you know, we, we've done real estate, and, and I mean, you know, there, a couple years ago, People were bidding 50000 and crazy amounts over the house. Well, it's worth what buyers are willing to pay for. That's with anything. It's worth what we're willing to pay for. it. And Jesus was willing to pay with his blood for our lives. Thank you, Father. The reason why a lot of people don't know what they're worth, they don't know their value, is because they don't know his value. They don't know his worth. Find out his value, and you'll find out your value. Find out what he is worth, and you'll find out what you are worth. The Lord looks at you and says, you are worth my life. You are worth my blood. Hallelujah. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Six. Our value is what he bought us with. Our value is the blood. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. First Corinthians chapter six. And I'm going to start in. Uh, let's go to verse nine. Verse nine. It says, no, do you not know? that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners, will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Such were some of us. We were those unrighteous, the Bible's talking about here. We were on our way to eternal damnation. We were on our way to being eternally separated from the Father God, being eternally separated from his presence, eternally separated from his love, from his peace, from his joy. We were those unrighteous people that the Bible is talking about. 
It says, and such were some of you, but... Aren't you thankful for that but? That's an important but. That's a big but right there. (laughs) But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. It's talking about you, you and I. We were washed. We were sanctified by this blood. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Are you thankful that the blood has washed you? Skip on down to verse 19. It says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. See, the Lord, he created us. He, he created, we are his creation, and he purchased his creation back. Think about that. The Lord created us. He created the air we breathe. He created the food that we eat. He created the earth that we live on. And yet, he still needed to purchase us back. He still redeemed us. We are technically, by right of creation, he owns us. But he still valued us and said, you know what? You are worth my blood. I will purchase you. I will buy you back with my own life. That will indicate, that will let you know how much you are worth to me. He didn't make it, and and he just, and he gives us the option to live for him. He doesn't demand and command us like robots. He says, I laid my life down for you. I've given you my blood. I've purchased you. Accept this if you will. Thank you, Father. What kind of love is that? What kind of love is that? This should make you want to live for him all your days. This should make you want to serve him all your days, that he has bought us with the precious blood of the lamb. What is so special then about this blood? What is special about this blood that it was necessary to purchase us? Go to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. While you're there, let me read these scriptures. It says, Take heed in Acts 20, 28. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. We're his bride, the church. He purchased us with his own blood. Revelations 1 5 says, To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for the blood. Somebody say, thank you, Lord, for the blood. In the, so what's special about the blood? In Hebrews, which we're going to read here, well, I should say in the Old Covenant, before Jesus came, Man could not approach God because of sin. Man could not come to God because of sin. And today, without the blood of Jesus, you could not just walk up to the throne. You know, God is not a different God in the New Testament. He's the same God. People are very confused about that. It's, It's not old God and new God. No, it's our approach to him is just different. He still thinks the same, like I talked about before, honor and those things. Those still mean something to God. 
People are very confused. They think that in the old covenant, that means you live a loose and free life and you just do whatever you want. It doesn't mean that. God has not changed. Our approach to him and the way we can come to him has changed. We can now come to him because we are in Christ and we can receive this grace. But there was grace in the Old Testament as well. And in the Old Testament, he made provision for their sins. The Bible says in Hebrews 9.22, it says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So until the fulfillment of the uh, new covenant came, until the spotless sacrifice, the perfect lamb would come, man would have to make continual sacrifices for their sins year after year. Because the blood of bulls and goats was not sufficient enough. It wasn't a high enough price to completely redeem man from their sins, to completely purchase men. So they would have to continually offer blood sacrifices until the perfect spotless blood sacrifice came. So God instituted a sacrifice system. He instituted the priesthood. He instituted the tabernacle through Moses. And the tabernacle, which he which was uh, built, was patterned after the tabernacle in heaven, okay? And so once a year, the high priest who represented the people to the Lord would have to take the blood of an animal and go into the tabernacle. He'd have to go into the Holy of Holies, go into the holy place, and take the blood of the animal and sprinkle it on the mercy seat. And this was representative of the heavenly holy of holies and the heavenly mercy seat. And this blood that he would pour on the mercy seat would only cover their sins for a year. You guys with me? It wouldn't wash their sins completely away. It couldn't because it is insufficient. It could only cover their sins. It wasn't potent and powerful enough to wash their sins. But Jesus came as a perfect man and as our high priest and gave his own life and his own blood for our sins. And he entered into the heavenly holy of holy of holies with his own blood and put his own blood on the mercy seat. And that was acceptable once and for all, for all time, for all eternity. What kind of blood is that, that he only needed to do it one time? What kind of power is in that blood that all it took was one time? In Hebrews 9.11, it says, But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Glory to God. How valuable is this blood? What kind of blood is this that all it took was one sacrifice, and that was it. He only had to do it one time, when for years and hundreds of years and years, there had to be continual sacrifices. All it took was one time. There is 
Nothing else. There is no other sacrifice necessary. There is no other sacrifice that is needed. There is no other acceptable sacrifice. And so if we don't accept this sacrifice, there is no other sacrifice available. There is no other thing valuable enough to redeem man, to save man. So if we don't accept this price, there's nothing else left for us. There's nothing else left to purchase us, to redeem man, to save man. Go to the next chapter in Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, just one chapter over. It says in verse 26, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? Do you see that? Not valuing the blood, not honoring the blood, treating it as insignificant, treating it as not valuable. It says, For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You know, many people will end up lost for eternity. Many people will be lost in eternal damnation because they didn't value the blood. Because they didn't know the worth of the blood because they didn't honor the blood forever, they'll be lost. It's a sobering thought to think that because they did not esteem this, because they treated it like it was no big thing, they'll be lost for eternity. And people make fun of Christianity today. People mock Christianity. People blaspheme the name of the Lord. They blaspheme Christians. They think we're outdated. They think we're old-fashioned. They think we need the crutch of religion? No, we know the truth. We know the truth. I said we know the truth. We know the truth. We have the truth. And no matter what they say and how far culture gets away from God, we are not going to be ashamed of the truth. We are not going to be ashamed of Jesus. We are not going to be ashamed of the blood of the Lamb because we know the value of this blood. We know the worth of this blood. Amen? Revelations 21 says, but the cowardly, unbelieving, well, let me back up, the cowardly. Do you know that, the, that I believe it was John G. Lake that said that Christianity is a strong man's religion. Christianity is not for the weak. Christianity is not for the faint of heart. You have to be strong to be a Christian. You have to be willing to stand alone. And as we go further and further into this post-truth culture, whatever you want to call it, you better be ready to stand alone. You better be ready to stand out amongst family, amongst friends, amongst co-workers who are laughing, who are mocking, who are saying you're way outdated, that's archaic. You have to be willing to stand by yourself and say, no, this is the truth. No matter what anybody else says, 
This is the truth. The blood is the only way to the Father. The blood is the only way to be with the Father. When Jesus said, I am the way, he was also referring to his blood because the life is in the blood. And he was the only way to the Father. This blood is the only way to have access to the Father. It says the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That is, whew, what a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. There is the first death, which is the natural, but then there is the spiritual death for those who have rejected the blood, who have rejected Jesus. Because there is no other name by which men can be saved. There is no other blood valuable enough. There is no other price that can be paid for the lives of men. There is nothing else left that can redeem men. And the Father, he has sent his son Jesus, and men have rejected him. They have spit him out. And because of that, they will be lost for eternity unless they value the blood, unless they turn to him. Well, we're not going to be unwise. We're not going to be foolish like that. We are going to value and respect the blood. Amen. We are going to honor the blood. Jesus, laid, he freely laid down his life for us. What are we worth that he freely laid down his life, that he freely gave his blood for us? And this blood has within it the power to give us eternal life? What? is the significance of this blood. Leviticus 17.11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. Why the blood? The life of the flesh is in the blood. Leviticus 17.11. The life is in the blood, and we know that medically, right? We know medically if you lose a lot of blood and too much blood, you'll die. So, so we know medically and physically, just naturally, blood is important. I mean, we drive by, you see the, the, the buses with the, uh, what are they doing? Where you can go and give your blood. Go, yeah, blood banks, you can donate your blood. And why are you doing that? To save lives. What is the slogan? Save a life, give blood. You guys seen that? You guys heard that before, right? And they say that one donation of blood can save up to three lives. There's a three lives. Yeah, one donation of blood can save up to three lives. Well, what if there is a blood that not could just save three lives, but 3,000 lives, 3 million lives, 3 billion lives, 300 billion lives. What would that be worth? What kind of blood would be able to do that? And what would be the value of that blood? People are willing to pay money to have a blood transfusion to save their life. What kind of uh, worth and value would be in that blood? What kind of life would be in that blood that people are willing to pay for that. Go to John 1.1. 1, 1. What kind of life is in the blood? In John 1.1, 1, 1, the first chapter of the Gospel of John, 
Glory to God. Hallelujah. John 1. You guys follow me? John 1.1. Let me get there myself. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Notice that, that it says, in him was life. Well, the life is in the blood. So the, the blood of the lamb, what kind of life is in the blood of the lamb? That verse where it says, verse 4, in him was life, that's the same word for eternal life, which also means, we, we talked about this previous weeks back, it means zoe life, which is the God kind of life, which is also eternal and everlasting life. Where is the life? In the blood. The life is in the blood. 1 John 5.11 says, and this is a testimony that God has given us eternal life, that Zoe life, and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. Where is the life? The life's in the blood. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. What life is in the blood? Eternal life, Zoe life, that God kind of life. It's the blood that when you receive this blood, when you receive a transfusion of this blood, you live forever. You live eternally. What kind of power is in that blood? That's some potent blood that when you receive this blood, you don't die. You live forever. That is the kind of life that is in this blood. It won't just save your life. It won't just save three lives. No, it will save your life for eternity. And it will save everybody's life on the planet and not just this planet, any other planet that there might be. That's the power that is in this blood. That is the life. It is the very life of God that is in the blood. God poured his life into the blood. His blood has the very life Jesus' blood had the very life of God, and that blood was given to us. It's ours. Somebody say, thank you, Lord, for the blood. And this is the, blood, this is the, the price that he paid for us, was this blood. He valued us that much that he said, I'm going to purchase you with my blood, which is his life which is his being, which is his essence. All things are upheld by the word of his power, it talks about in Hebrews 1. Everything that exists on this earth is because of the life of God, and that life is in the blood, and that's what he purchased us with. And our value is of that equal to the blood. Our value is equal to the blood. To know your worth, you have to know the value of the blood. To know your value find out the value of the blood. I was um, reading about Dr. Kent Brantley. I don't know if you guys know who that is. I was actually reading about the uh, Ebola outbreak in 2014 in Liberia and West Africa. You guys remember that? It was dominating the news cycle. It was everywhere. 
this outbreak, Ebola, and it was a, a deadly virus and uh, very sad. But there was this medical missionary, uh, Dr. Kent Brantley, uh, him and his wife and children went to West Africa as uh, missionaries to help with the treatment of those that got ill from Ebola. And he, Dr. Kent Brantley, actually ended up getting sick from Ebola. And this happened after his, his wife and children, thank God, they left and went back to the States, and he got sick with Ebola. And when, the, when he got sick with Ebola, there was no cure for this virus at that time. There was no remedy. And so when he called his wife and, and, uh, and family and everybody, they were crying because especially his wife, because she knew what it was doing to people. She knew the effects, and it was, they just expected he was not going to make it. He was not going to survive. But they were Christians. They were believers. And he said he had a peace. He didn't cry at all about it. And he just wanted to be faithful to do what God called him to do. Well, there was this drug, this treatment that was called ZMAP. And ZMAP was an experimental treatment. It was an experimental drug. And it was in limited supply. And they flew Dr. Kent Brantley back to the United States in Atlanta, Georgia, put him at Emory University, and they gave him this Z-map. And after, you know, there were people praying all over the world for him, his family praying, within two and a half weeks, he recovered. And he's walking out of the hospital. Glory to God. It was, it was miraculous. His wife actually was planning on staying there for months and months. She thought at least six months we're going to be here. In two and a half weeks, he is cured and recovered from Ebola. Well, there was a cameraman for NBC. His name was Ashura Mukpo or something like that. I don't know if I'm saying it right. But he came down with Ebola as well. And when Dr. Kent Brantley heard about it, they, they called him and told him about it. He pulled over somewhere right away without hesitation and donated his blood. He said he didn't even think about it. It was just the right thing to do. And at the press conference, the doctor who was working on this cameraman, Mukpo, this reporter asked him, why, what is the point? What is the hope of giving Dr. Kent Brantley's blood to Mukpo? And the doctor said, well, what happens when you get a virus like that is that the antibodies in your body go to developing uh, chemicals that will attach to the bacteria, that will attach to the fungus, that will attach to the virus and go into neutralizing the bacteria, the virus. And we are taking his blood in hopes that because he has already overcome the illness, that he has already come through the illness, his antibodies will go in and do the same thing, basically, for Mukpo. And so their hope is that when they give him the blood transfusion, that they will boost the immune system, they will boost and speed up the recovery and healing process of Mukpo. Will that work? That, that, that did work, and, and he's alive today, this cameraman, because this man donated 
his blood that had the antibodies in to kill this virus. But we have a blood that has been donated by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And his blood is more potent and more powerful than any blood that ever existed, than any blood that was in this planet. His blood has the spiritual antibodies to eradicate every sickness and every disease. And his blood will not just neutralize, but it will attach itself and eradicate every sin, every virus, every stain, anything that is holding us back. This blood is so potent and it's still working today. That blood is still powerful today. See, Dr. Kent Brantley's blood, evidently, he was already cured of Ebola, but his body, his blood still had the antibodies working in him, fighting off the Ebola. His immune system now is stronger. His blood is now stronger. It has within it the, the, the remedy, the, the cure, the power, the source to get rid of Mukbo's Ebola. Well, what about our Lord Jesus? The power that's in that blood. That power is still working. That power is still on the mercy seat. That power is still speaking today. And do you know what the blood is still saying today? What the blood is speaking today? Innocent, blameless, holy, righteous, healed, delivered, blessed. That's what the blood of Jesus Christ, that's what the blood of the Lamb is speaking today. Hallelujah. And this blood will never lose its power. It will never lose its power. You know why it will never lose its power? Because the power that's in this blood is the very life of God. The very life of God, the very Zoe life of God is in that blood. And that blood is in you right now, working in your body, working in your spirit, working all over you. The power is in the blood. The life is in the blood. Somebody say, thank you, Lord, for the blood. Thank you, Lord, for the blood. Aren't you thankful for the blood? Thank you, Lord, for the blood. And think about this, that the Lord loved us that much. He thought that much about us and valued us that much that he was willing to put up with us for eternity. He said, I'm going to put my life in you. I'm going to put my blood in you. Come on, smile, somebody, say amen or something. He put that life in you. He said, I'm willing to deal with you for eternity. Here's my life. See, right now we have eternal life. We have Zoe life in our spirit. But there's coming a day when we're going to get a new body and this corruptible will put on incorruptible. And this mortal will put on immortality and will be like Jesus. And the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Hallelujah. We'll have the very exact same life, not just in our spirit, but in our body. The blood of Jesus, the life is in the blood. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you for the blood, Lord. Thank you for the blood. Go in closing with me to Revelations chapter 7. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the blood. 
Revelation, let me see here. Let's start in verse uh, 9. Revelation 7, verse 9. It says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, people, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. You know, this is going to be us. One day, we're going to be singing this. We're going to be worshiping the Lord in person. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen. They're saying amen to what the saints are singing, to what we're doing, to how we're they're saying amen. So be it. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered saying to me, who are these arrayed in white robes? And where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who came out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Those that stuck with the Lord, those that did not deny him, those that were not afraid to stand with the Lord, to those that were not ashamed of Jesus, those who were not ashamed of the blood of the Lamb are going to be standing with the, pres with the angels, singing glory, singing salvation, singing hallelujah, honor, and power be to our God. Those that didn't give up, those that didn't quit, Glory to God. When everybody else is denying him and falling away, we will be with the Lord. And the Bible says in Revelation 12, 11, how, how, how did they get there? How did we get to that place where we can be with the Father, where we can be with the holy angels? And we are worshiping the Lord. It says because they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their and they did not love their lives to the death glory to god where would we be without the blood of jesus and this is how much he valued us this is how much he sees we are worth we are worth his very life his blood and so really when we've been talking about who we are in christ we're talking about what the blood of Christ did for us. Because you have no access to the throne if there was no blood. You have no reason to be bold and to be unashamed and to come to the throne of grace, to obtain grace and find mercy. You have no reason to do that if there was no blood. So this blood is our life. This blood is due honor. It's due respect. It's due reverence. And we should reverence the blood. We should sing about the blood. We should talk about the blood of Jesus. We should glorify the Lord and say, thank you, Lord, for the blood. Thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus. The Bible says, let the redeemed, who are those? Those that have been bought, those that have been purchased, those that have been considered worth the price. Let those say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. 
We hope this message has encouraged you today. For more information on our ministry or to donate, visit onewayministries.net.